I'm so pumped up tonight, I wish you'd be praying for me while I speak, okay? Before we start, let's uh, seek the throne of grace. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege we have of looking into your word. We just know your words resonate in our souls. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Heavenly Father, we just pray that your words tonight will take preeminence or prominence over my words, and that anything I say that is out of your will, may it be struck away and forgotten about. But may your words uh, take hold upon us, and may we be more earthly-minded as well as being heavenly-minded. We thank you for loving us so much enough to send your Son for us. So help us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I generally don't do this, but I'm going to read some of what I wrote out rather than try to remember it, because I'll probably spend more time doing that than otherwise. Thank you all for coming tonight. My goal is to inspire and challenge you to reflect upon some very serious spiritual issues. Namely, one, your relationship with the Lord. Number two, what you think about yourself. If you were to stand before God tonight and he were to review your life, what would you say? I'm going to cover that a little bit later with what I'm going to tell you. But then the third thing, which is most important, really, when you think about it, because it's outside of us, is that how you relate to other people. You've often heard the, the acronym J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and you. It's all about Jesus. And I had quite an experience on my way here today. I left here. I asked a number of you to pray for me because I felt that Demons might be trying to attack me today because I felt so overwhelmed with what I have to cover tonight and the time constraints. It's amazing what happened. I came to this restaurant, and there were four homeless men laying outside the restaurant, laying there, looking pretty distraught, smoking cigarettes. And I passed by them, but I only went about 20 feet. And I said, you know, I can't do this. I have to go back. And I gave them four of those little things about Jesus. And I said, I'd like you to look at this. I'll be back. I've got to eat something. But I'll be back. And I got inside the restaurant, and I opened my Bible, put it down. I, have, I didn't have any notes with me, but I had some things I wanted to think about. And I opened to Psalm 19, and I was struck with that verse like never before. And I'm going to cover that a little bit later. But it was amazing what happened afterwards. I got out. And what a conversation I had with four homeless, downtrodden men. I shared the gospel with all of them. It was amazing. They, they were so hungry, but yet they were fighting me because they didn't want to give up their lifestyle. But I just leave that with you, that the world is perishing around us. It's a godless place. Most people don't care. They really don't give a fig, what we say, too. But I try to be loving to these men. And I think I got through to them. And I told them, I'll be back sometime. I come here to eat frequently. I'll be back. So pray for me about those four men, because they're, some of them might be ready to come to the Lord. One of them said he knew the Bible from cover to cover. And yet when I questioned him, he didn't have much to say. But I challenged him. I also call upon you to examine with me some of the scriptures that speak of heaven, our ultimate destination, and your thoughts your apprehensions and anticipation of heaven and what you can do to prepare for a place where you will literally spend billions of years. 
all of eternity. Timeless time. Think about that. What is your life? What is my life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. My father used to tell that to me over and over again when I was a little boy. In fact, I just thought of something else that's important. Uh, you know the first verse I memorized? It was Proverbs 6.6. 6. Go to the sluggard, consider his ways, and be wise. What a crazy verse to think, right? Go to the ant, a sluggard. We need to go to the ant, though, can't we? Because the ants are busy. They're busy with a goal. And they accomplish their goal because they work together. I was talking to Aaron this morning, and I, I made, a, made a comment to him. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if each of us won one person to the Lord in this next year? Only one. Wouldn't that be amazing? We could fill this place. One. It's very thrilling to think about, and yet sobering to think about, too, because it takes work. But more than that, it takes a lot of prayer. And it takes a lot of on your knees knowing that we're inadequate. We can't do it. We have to be utterly helpless and available to the Lord. And if we are, there's no doubt that things would start to happen. And I'm praying that my message tonight will not be me. And it's not about me. It's like I told these men. It's about Jesus. If you have him, you have everything. If you don't have him, you have nothing. And I say that with conviction to these people, and they look at me like, wow, you know. But it's true. This is the first Sunday night of the year, the year of new beginnings. Our Bible opens with three words in the beginning. In fact, my brother stole a little bit of my message this morning when he said, in the beginning, in the beginning, God. It also says in John 1, in the beginning, and then it says three more words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is our secret. If we have the Word dwelling in us like it should be, and I want to rebuke all of us and try to correct all of us, we need to make a course correction. All of us. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. I went to a conference when I was a young man. I was about 25, recently married. This is the first Christmas on the left. I went up to New England. No, not New England, Illinois. And they... and. Lit Crusade was having a crusade. Kevin Dyer was there and Russell Van Ryn. And there was this big logo across this hall. It says, millions are lost. Do you care? And I remember being struck with those words. And you know, that's so true today. And that song that we sang, the second song that we sang, Be Still My Soul. You know, when that song was very relevant was when those five missionaries came back. They didn't come back. They never came back. They died in Alca territory in Ecuador, five promising young men that could have been anything in the world that they wanted to be, but they decided to be missionaries. They, they decided to go and give their life possibly, and they ended up doing so. And they all died because they wanted to share the gospel with people who had never heard anything before about, about the gospel. So the most important word is God. And I hope to get those three things, our view of God, our view of ourselves, and then our view of the lost all around us. In Psalm 91, it says, We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are 70, and if by reason of strength they be 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Remember the song, We Fly Away? 
I love that song, and I'm sure most of you do too. We're going to fly away someday. Count on it. We're going to fly away. I can hardly wait. I know Aaron agrees with me. At least one of you agrees with me, right? Such is man. Solomon adds, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. We heard that a couple of days ago during that funeral service, didn't we? All is vanity and vexation of spirit. But it is not so with our God. David says the same in the same psalm, for, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And then there's a quote I want to make because we, we, we might relate to this. We forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. And the verse in Philippians that I'll refer to later says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead, we press on. It says we strain. One version says strain. We're straining for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And do we all have that goal? Are we all striving to do our best? It's good to be heavenly minded, but we also have to be earthly minded too. There's a balance there. And I'm praying tonight that we will get a balance, all of us, that we'll see what opportunities we have all around us. It's been estimated that each of us will influence about 7,000 people in our lifetime. 7,000 people. How many people are you influencing with your life? Just think about that. But if the Lord allowed you to win only one person this year, wouldn't that be amazing? And then they came here. That would be great. Can we do it? It's up to us. Retrospect 2015 gives away to Prospect 2016. This little tale that is told is a prelude to an endless story to unfold throughout all eternity. We're just, starting, we're just working on the introduction. <laughs> we've barely gotten going. This is the time that we've spent. And eternity is timeless. I don't think we get it most of the time, just how critical this little time down here is. We miss it most of our lives. I'm over 70 at this point. I don't know how much time I have left. And I can't speak for all of you because it isn't fair. You're going to speak for yourselves. But I want to finish strong. Do you want to finish strong? I used to say, I want to finish well. No, I don't want to finish just well. I want to finish strong. And today was an example to me again that I see over and over again, I rethought passing by those men, and I went back. And I won't say any more about what's going on at Hooters. I think I'm going to give that up for the time being. But that was an amazing thing that, that the Lord allowed, allowed us to do with the help of the elders and a little part of mine. But the Lord worked in about 90 lives, maybe. 90, that's not bad. But we can all do so much better in this new year. So we need to be reminded of God's faithfulness and his goodness. Have we taken his grace for granted? And, and, has, this, and has his goodness led us to repentance? And we as Christians, we need to repent more often because we do sin. And when you want to think about it, think of the sin of omission. This drives me wild, the sin of omission. What we don't do that we know we should do. Like today, I almost walked past those four men. Should I care about five homeless men? Really? Yeah, I better. And we do it all the time. We're walking past people all day long that are literally going to hell. 
And I want to talk a little bit later about, about that. Um, we, we, don't want, we don't want them to go there, like I told those, those, those four men. I said, you, you don't want to go to the other place. And I didn't want to talk much more about it. So in preparing for this message tonight, I was burdened about what the theme should be since it is, was going to be the first Sunday of this new year. Lately, some of the brethren have been reading and studying scripture relating to heaven, prophecy, etc. At the Lawson home, Aaron Renth shared a word picture in a dynamic, forceful way. I was going to do something different tonight, but Aaron said that uh, he was going to beg off. So I'm going to leave him off the hook, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Thoughts about heaven began to consume me. This past Monday, I was in BJ's, and as always, I check out the book table. There it was, a book titled Imagine Heaven, with a foreword by an author and pastor I respected, Don Piper, who wrote 90 Minutes in Heaven. The movie recently was shown all over the country by the same name. I bought the book, over 300 pages, and could, couldn't put it down. I'll pick it up. This is the book. Imagine heaven. And I know this might be, I might be saying a few things that are, that are confrontational or, or controversial. Let's say. In fact, hold on a second. I want to lose everything here. At the <laughs> Just bear with me for a second. Okay. It's about life after death. The Bible has numerous accounts of people who died and came back to life. This is the Bible now we're speaking about. Heaven and near-death experiences when people clinically died or resuscitated and claimed to have gotten a peek into the afterlife have been a hot topic of late. The author, John Burke, began studying this phenomenon for 35 years. Many studies have now been done convincing many former skeptics that these people truly passed from death into some state of existence and 55 teams have published 65 studies of over 3,500 near-death experiences. Get that, 3,500 near-death experiences, all very religiously and methodically verified and compared. So there's a certain science, and I think our brother that talked this morning, he's a, he's a medical doctor. A lot of these studies were done by doctors, by professors, by lawyers, by people with, with some credibility. I'm a skeptic just by my nature. I'm just a skeptic. <laughs> I like to see it. And sometimes seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing, isn't it? We Christians know that in our hearts. Uh, so the, the conclusion of this was there is life after death. They can prove it. They can prove it. So the author had read or heard close to a thousand near-death stories. There are millions of them, by the way, out there. He began to see commonalities across uh, these stories. Uh, intriguing, detailed descriptions by doctors, professors, commercial airline pilots, children, people from all over the globe. During that time frame, 35 years, he went from engineering to full-time ministry because of what he was finding out. The more he studied the scriptures, the more intriguing these near-death experiences became because they described uh, the afterlife found in Scripture. There was a correspondence. There was a connection. It was matching. I didn't expect that. It was matching, which is why I'm talking about it tonight. If it were not so, I wouldn't be talking about it. 
They were also confusing because individual interpretations of these, episodes, these experiences widely differed and seemed at odds with scriptures. He found the, sheer, the shared core experiences pointed to what the scriptures said, and the more he studied, the more he realized the picture scripture paints of the life to come was common experience that these near-death experienced people had described. He feels the, 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 the experiences add color and detail that help us all to vibrantly imagine the life to come. The scriptures tell us that all creation declares the glory of God. And that was Psalm 19. In fact, just for the moment, I want to digress because when I, when I got to that restaurant, I started reading Psalm 19. And I saw something I never thought of before. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And suddenly it hit me. That word, hand, that, that word uh, what I just said. I forgot the word already. Handiwork. And I thought, wow, wait a minute. We are God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. We're, we're not uh, inanimate objects. We, we have a soul and a body and a spirit. And we can declare the glory of God too. And we've been ordained for this. I thought, wow. I, I never saw that in, in, in that verse. And these things utter speech, it says, all over the world. These vacation spots that people, some thousands of bucks going to, they're beautiful, people enjoy it, but they're, but they're not people speaking, they're things speaking. And yet, what did God do with us? We're his workmanship. And we've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should live in them. So if you think about that now, because it's pretty serious. So what is your life? What is my life? All these things have been programmed for us if we will only see it. God knows what could happen. But you know, we talk about sovereignty and free will. We all have a free will. And wouldn't it be sad if we get to heaven, and I don't want to go there, really, we find out what could have been that we didn't do. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, personal opinion now. I could be wrong about that. There are other stories about that that are incredible. But... Uh, I want to give my reason for sharing this is that we develop a passion for heaven. Wise to begin now to live for it, plan for that day, and make sure we're prepared to arrive safely and be able to stay say with Paul, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith, I have the faith, and henceforth it was laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I better hurry because I can see my time is going again. I, I recommend you get the book. And read it carefully and prayerfully. It will thrill your soul. The body of knowledge is extensive. Many have described a bearded man with piercing eyes, wearing a robe and a sash and barefooted, with brilliant light coming out of him. Over and over the line, it's not your time to be here yet, and you'll have to go back. That was almost like what Don Piper experienced in his book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Most remember going up through a tube or a tunnel and moving toward light and far beyond the intensity on earth, yet it was somehow tolerated. Most spoke of the feeling of unconditional love. Most recalled having a review of their life passed quickly before them, spanning their entire lifetime. Then the question often was, what have you done with your life to show me? What have you done with your life to show me? And I shared that question with those four men today, the ones that claim to be a Christian. The thought seemed to be, 
How much have you done with your life? How much have you loved with your life? Have you loved others so I am, as I am loving you? And the feeling was that, that Jesus, who was portrayed in these experiences, the love was so overwhelming that they didn't have any words for it. They, they couldn't speak. It was just such an emotional over, overplay. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't go there, but they felt it. And it was like nothing on earth. And when I went to hear Don Piper myself speak about a couple of years ago, he basically said the same thing, that this feeling of love was so overpowering, it was so intoxicating, you didn't want to leave. You didn't want to go back. The experience of, of these people made earth seem merely a shadow of the real life to come. The brilliant colors never seen on earth, the amazing music, the description of the New Jerusalem mirrored revelation with the detailed stones and the, and the importance of light. We must all admit to a, pure, a poor view of the life to come. We can't imagine heaven, so we don't live for it. The heroes of faith were looking for a city that, whose builder and maker was God. We sing the chorus with eternity's values in view. We sing that. Uh, so what is your life? Like I said, it's a vapor. I'm going to mention seven words, <clears throat> all beginning with P. Not just because my name is Peter now. I'm just pardon, presence, power, peace, purpose, protection, and provision. All those, set, those seven things are what God has given each of us in various ways. I, for sake of time, I won't, I won't give you a verse to defend each of those words. The other seven words I'm going to give you, also P, is something that we can all do with, in cooperation with God. First one, prayer. We are so prayerless, it must offend our God, our prayerlessness. I speak in my own heart now. I have tried to see the neighbors on my street for over a year, and I haven't done it yet. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I'm afraid of what they might say. And the fear of man is not really a problem with me, but maybe it is, and I've got to face it. How about you? Have you talked to your neighbors about the Lord? Your co-workers? Or do you want them to like you while they go to hell? The second word, priority. What are your priorities? I submit to you the first priority would be your relationship with Jesus Christ. What is he to you? Is he your friend? Is he your counselor? Do you commune with him during the day? Do you spend an hour with him each day? Most of us don't. I know I don't. I'm trying, but I'm not doing so well. And we should be praying for each other, too, that we, we will get to that point where we're spending time with the Lord that made us and has all this set up for us. And then preparation. Are we preparing for the life that's left? And... You, we can read in different scriptures about how certain men of God prepare themselves for the work that God had them to do. And then pruning. Boy, that's a, a vicious word. We don't want to be pruned by the Lord, do we? Maybe he'll, he'll resort to scourging. You want to be scourged? I don't want to be scourged. Rebuked? Well, yeah. Chastened? Yeah. The Lord's been chastening me, and I know it, and I'm trying to respond to it. Progress. Are we making progress in our Christian life? Or are we kind of stuck? We're drifting. I think the Christian church as a whole, I think if we really were to admit it, 
The church is asleep. And, and some of the, well, on my trip to New Hampshire, I found out a stunning fact. Only 2% of the people in Vermont and New Hampshire go to church. 2%. That's unbelievable. We've turned into a godless place. And it's been coming and coming and coming for years. We shouldn't be surprised how tough it is to reach people. And then persistence. How persistent are we? Do we talk to somebody and then give up? Or do we go back again and try to share the gospel a second time? There's a point where we have to stop, too, because we're, 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 if, we, if we just imagine ourselves, we're all standing in a hedge, an endless hedge. And between us, people are coming past us and going into a Christless eternity. They're going to be seen no more in hell forever. And the gaps between these people, we're all standing in this, in this row, you might say, of hedges. And people are going past us into hell. And we're standing there and people are coming past us. And we aren't mentioning one word about our Savior to them. They're going past us like this guy that hit our church in August. Where is he tonight? He was probably being tormented in hell. I talked to people at Hooters and they knew him. They said he was a Muslim and they said he had little regard for the, for the Christian God. So I got a feeling that he's in hell right now. And maybe we couldn't have done much about that. And then perfection. You know, it says in the scriptures, go on to perfection. Now, that's something we don't want to hear. We're certainly not perfect. Well, I know I fall so far short of even trying to get there, let alone try to be perfect. But we, we need to be aware of, of those seven things as well. I want to also mention something that has a lot of power. I'm going to give you four little phrases. No, three. Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Vision plus action changes the world. So we have to have a vision for what God wants us to do, each one of us, then we have to do something about it. There was also, I want to keep my promise to Aaron. I'm not going to forget. Daniel Webster was once asked this question. What's the greatest thought that can occupy a man's mind? Interesting question, right? What do you think he said? Brilliant man. He could say anything. This is what he said. His accountability to God. His accountability to God. What a profound and ready answer. He gave the answer immediately. And how accountable are we to God? You don't hear too many messages, and I'm not going to uh, jump on it and tear your hearts out tonight. <laughs> the judgment seat of Christ. Do we hear much about that? Because it's so revealing to us if we think about it. We're going to stand before God someday. We're going to have to give account for all the things that we've done or haven't done. That's sobering to me. When I think back on my sins of omission, it makes me sick when I think of what I didn't do. I was married almost 50 years. And I didn't do a good job looking back. I'm sorry about that. I can't get it back. I'll never get it back. I got 10 grandchildren. I got to reach them somehow. None of them are here tonight. One of them forgot. The other ones I'm, I'm not sure about. Not that that's that important, because they're Christians already, 
most, most of them. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to have to really go fast, so you know, you can have to bear with me. Philippians chapter 1. I hope I can get done. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We often forget that it's his work. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And our job is to yield to the Holy Spirit, and then his work will be accomplished. The next chapter. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Could he be thinking about being ashamed at the judgment seat? Could he have meant that? But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. For, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That should be the life verse for a lot of us. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Just imagine, if we die, what's going to happen? It's unbelievable what we're going toward. If you read that book, you're going to get excited. I guarantee it. It's incredible. I have, I've left out... 95% of what I read this week. 300 pages of things that are just beyond me. It's amazing. What's, what's there right now? I want to go there. <laughs> in, in, in chapter 2, we're going to skip over the part that we know so well about let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and skip over to verse 13. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's his pleasure. Is it our pleasure? And that goes back to what's in chapter 1. That we're confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind the old year it's gone we'll never get it back let's learn lessons from what happened last year and let's reach forth reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and then chapter 4 Verse 9, well, this, this is a fantastic chapter. Read it when you get a chance. Meditate on it. My favorite verse in this chapter is, is uh, 6 and 7. I can't quote it for the sake of time. But, but verse 9, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are, are of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Those things which he have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And God promises these things, and we have to take those promises seriously. Uh, what I meant to do, and on my time is just flying, uh, is to take Second Timothy and Second Peter and note the comparison between the two brethren. They were both facing martyrdom. 
Peter knew he was going to die. And as we know, he died upside down, crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy of Jesus. And then Paul, he was martyred as well. So these are his last words. So I just I'm going to read that next in in, uh, Second Timothy. In verse uh, verse five, when I call to remembrance the unfading faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Just as, just as an aside comment. This is incredible. Happened today too. I'm sitting there eating my food. This young man comes over, sits down next to me. He was counting money and so forth. I said, "Well, what do I do, Lord?" <laughs> So I, while he's doing the money, I put the little thing down, the Jesus thing. And he's looking at it. He can't figure out what it is. He ended up coming and sitting next to me. And I'm eating my food. And I'm thinking, should I say something, Lord, to this, to this young man? And I was thinking about this verse. Little did I know, and I spent about five minutes telling him what I thought went over very well. The Lord gave me the, gave me the right words. And then I, I forgot about it and went on eating and then... I said, you know, I've got to say something else. And this is a good phrase that you might use because it's powerful. I said to him, has anybody else ever talked to you like I've just talked to you? And he says, yes. I said, wow, how, how many people? Two. And I said to him, was one of them your mother? What do you think he said? Yes, it was his mother. So Lois and Eunice had a big impact on, on Timothy's life. Uh, And here's what I want us to remember. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up or fan into flame is another way of putting it. One of the versions puts it that way. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we have gifts. God's given each of us a gift. We're all part of a, a huge body. An organism all over the world, millions of people who know Jesus. And we're all going on the same journey, the same place. And then verse, uh, for sake of time, I'll just do verse 9. No, verse 9, yeah. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Think about that. God knew about you before he even made the world. And if that wasn't enough, Ephesians 1 says what? Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We are so privileged. We've been the sons of God in God's mind before he even made this world. That, that's incredible. Do we think about that like it's fantastic? Or don't we? But is now made manifest in the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then let's go to verse 20. Wait a minute. I'm going to get my notes straight here. Yeah, let's, let's uh, go to chapter, chapter 2. I'll skip the first four verses there, which I would have read for sake of time. Uh, Yeah, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then verse 19, 
Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And in a great house there were not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Do we want to be vessels unto honor? I do. I think you do too. Sanctified. We've already been set aside. That's what the word sanctified means. And meet for the master's use. We have a master. His name is Jesus. He's perfect. He loves us more than we'll ever know. And when we get there, we're going to find out just how much he loves us. And it's going to dominate us for all eternity. Billions, trillions, can't even say years because it's not going to be years. Think of the words, where will you spend eternity? Think about that for your friends. Where are they going to spend eternity? Where are my neighbors that I haven't spoken to yet? Where are they going to spend eternity? I might be the only Christian that they've talked to in a year. How about you? Meet for the master's use and prepared. There's the preparation word again. Prepared unto every good work. I've got to really go fast now. I'm going to cover five things. The hand illustration. I use this all the time with people and it really resonates. What you can do with the word of God. If you do, so, if you do it, your life will change enormously. You can hear the word of God. You're hearing it tonight. You can then read it. If you go back and read. Um, I'm just scratching the surface here, but you could read the word. That's good. But you're going to forget a lot of what you read. You can study the verse that I just mentioned. Study to show yourself approved. The key is meditation and scripture memory. If you do those five things, you start memorizing scripture with a vengeance. So you can give the right word, God's word, to somebody. Not just your word, but God's word. The impact that it makes is phenomenal. And I, I'm, I'm letting down Aaron because I was supposed to read this verse. In fact, I'm going to run to it right now before I forget. Revelation 21. I'm skipping so much stuff I'm ashamed of myself. But, hey, the time is gone. Almost gone. Chapter 20, Revelation, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And then it talks about how the dead, small and red, are going to stand before God and be judged. Now, Aaron, Aaron at the Lawson Meeting House a couple uh, weeks ago painted a fantastic word picture of this that I'm not, never going to forget. It was amazing. All those people are in line waiting to be judged at the great white throne judgment. And it's all over for them. They're done. They are absolutely done forever. What does it say? I saw the great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And what Aaron said was that what's the glue that holds the universe together? Jesus, right? He's the glue. And he's going to decide, poof, it's all gone. So the earth and heaven flee away. Fly away, almost like we're going to fly away. Gone, because he's God. And if he can make everything, the billions of stars out there, and he names them all. That's amazing. So these people can turn around. All they work for their whole life is gone. They work for prestige, for power, for position. Like John, 1 John 2 talks about, the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They, that was their whole life. 
and now they have nothing. So if all that's going to happen and all that we have is going to be gone, what do, what's our motivation here? Now I'm going to rush back to Second Peter, which I didn't get to until just now, but I want to cover this because this is chapter 3. I'm skipping a whole lot of stuff here, but I, but I want to get to chapter 3 because this is, the, this is the solemn part. Verse 9 is the great part. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and, and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Beloved, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye lack, ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our God is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, hath written unto you. So I hope tonight that I've stirred up your heart a little bit. And if you think about it, it uh, you can make an analogy of, of, a, of a fire with coals. Coals of fire, they're all burning together. They all are, are getting heat from each other. They're not really persons that should know these coals of fire. But they're making it go longer. And if you stir them up, they go longer and keep their heat. But when you start separating the coals... They, they lose their heat. They, they begin to die down. And this is, I think, the, the, the word picture that God wanted to stir us up through Paul and, and through Peter. That we, we can't be so heavenly minded that we forget where we are on earth. And we can't be so earthly minded that we forget heaven. But if you can have a balance of the two. And, and, and I would say five more things and then I'm done. I'm, I'm over time. I apologize for it. It's five things that we can do that hurts the Holy Spirit and will, and will hurt our work for him. One is we can grieve him. We can quench him. We can resist him. We can lie to him. I can't think of that fifth one, but I'll tell you in a second. Tempt him. We can tempt him. And we don't want to do that. So I leave that with you, and let's, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your grace and your overwhelming love for us. We don't deserve what you've done for us. We don't deserve to be somewhere forever with you in the way that you've planned. We're so unworthy of your mercy, yet we have it. We thank you for it. Lord, we pray tonight that each one of us will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we will want this like nothing else in the world that we, we, we will want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. And Lord, we know that heaven and earth are going to pass away. All these things are going to be gone. And that your words are going to last forever. So we pray that your words, Jesus' words, 
the Holy Spirit helping us that you'll work in our lives, not just in this next week, but in this entire year, that you will motivate us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.